Welcome to The Last Days Are Behind Us, Our Best Days Are Ahead. And now, your host, Jerry Tridel. Hello, I hope that you have had the opportunity to watch the last five episodes and uh, conclude this last episode for our season here of our book, The Last Days Are Behind Us, Our Best Days Are Ahead. We wrote this to confront the modern end-time alarmists or the doomsayers, whether they are secular or um, actually Christian, who believe that these are the last days, when in fact, over the few episodes that we've presented, we've presented summaries from our book so that you would see that the last days were associated with the first century. The Great Tribulation was between AD 66 and 70. It's already done. And where we are now is we're living in the reign of Christ as it leavens the earth, the kingdom of God leavening the earth. The new heavens and new earth has already been inaugurated with Christ's coming in clouds in AD 70, which is a prophetic term that uh, uh, the sign that he was reigning in heaven and that he was indeed the prophet and the son of God who was to come was the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, which was the end of the old covenant, the sort of divorce of Israel, the old covenant Israel, the old heavens and old earth. So now we're living in the days of the new heavens and new earth, and it begs the question, how do we live now that we're actually seeing the world being Christianized, that Christ is over every nation, Christ is head over his church, and Christ is head over heads of households, all of these things under Christ's jurisdiction. Yes, there's a separation of church and state with regard to jurisdiction. Even Constantine the Great in the 4th century knew that he was the bishop of those outside the church, but he also knew as a magistrate and king that he was not the bishop in the church. So, each organization, each institution has its own sovereign jurisdiction. However, they still are accountable to the living Lord who reigns at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and will continue to reign and be seated at the right hand of the Father until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. We went through all of that in those few episodes prior. You can see episodes one through five. This is episode six, where we get to the end of uh, the book here, and it's uh, how shall we now live in the middle of this life, where um, we see people die who are young and maybe good people dying senseless deaths, and we see evil people continue to live and spread themselves like green trees and uh, become wealthy and try to control the world and the International Monetary Fund and uh, etc. And you try to reconcile that to what the prophets have said that we've clearly presented both in the book and in a few of these episodes. Um, how do you reconcile that and resolve it to where you don't live your life depressed about it all and vexed. That means you're so frustrated about it that it causes you to be angry. You know, bishops or pastors or priests should not be molesting children. They should not be engaged in homosexual relationships. No one should be engaged in homosexual relationships. That's why we have the law of God that tells us in the grace of God that helps us to turn away from those things that would be displeasing to God and turn to him because of his love toward us, so that we would not incur his wrath, but incur his grace and life. So, how do you live and do those things? So, in, in looking in my own life, I found that the best way 
to resolve those frustrations is to do what is written in the book of Ecclesiastes, for example, which is wisdom literature. And in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how to live life under the sun. So it's not talking about heaven. It's actually a great book to talk about uh, helping someone come to know the Lord and come into his kingdom because it speaks about the vexing nature and the uh, somewhat uh, vain nature of life under the sun. You build something and then it just evaporates. Or a man who is raised up to be a leader does great things for a group of people or a nation and the people basically forget him. (laughs) So it's like, what? It causes you to just, just give up perhaps or to be so vexed and angry uh, psychologically. So with that, let's look at what Solomon has to say in Ecclesiastes. And what I want to do is just go through uh, several of these things. And the first of which, uh, to, to move outside of this world of vexation, is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and King. First and foremost, I mean, when one says what is important in this life, it is to fear God and keep his commandments. Those are the very ending words of Ecclesiastes, by the way. Fear God and keep his commandments. I'm not qualifying the word fear. It doesn't mean just to respect him or appreciate him. It means to love him and to obey him. And yes, if knowing that if we don't, there is the fearful expectation of judgment, period. So there is, as Psalm 19 says, the pure and good fear of God. In fact, it is the beginning of wisdom herself. And wisdom cries out daily, to all the people of the world. Hey, you simple folks, get me, ask for me. And as St. James says, and James says, if any of you ask for wisdom, let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, knowing that the man who doubts shall not receive anything from the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, Acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, learn of his ways and do them and teach them diligently to your children and your children's children. And if you're a spouse, share these words with your spouse, pray with your spouse. Just a few simple things that I think will be very helpful. Next thing is to pray in faith that God's kingdom come in your life, in your family's life, in your church, in the whole church all over the earth not just your family, but the whole church all over the earth and in your nation. Pray for all those who are in authority. Pray for them and nurture a high view of the church that Jesus is building. And then when it comes to the kingdom of God filling the earth, well, with much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God, hardship. Uh, We have to learn that uh, we have to endure hardship and we have to man up or a woman up, or a child up. You've got to be tough. Put on the thick skin and be prepared to overcome. As Jesus told the first century church when they were about ready to go into the first or the great tribulation between AD 66 and AD 70. So bear hardship knowing that God's grace is sufficient. And then what? Well, that's where these uh, words were very helpful to me and very helpful to many throughout the history of the church, and that's this. Number one, and you'll see this many times in the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, eat, drink, and be merry. Find joy in this life. Quit being miserable. Quit loving the drama. Quit being the pessimist. Try to wake up and find joy 
in life, finding joy in your spouse, finding joy in your children. As Solomon said, if you don't find joy or good in your children, they might as well have been stillborn. So find joy in them all. And then after that, find joy in a spouse and children. Mature. We have a very immature generation. I like R.J. Rushdoony's book, um, Flight from Maturity. And we see that today. No one wanting to marry, men not preparing to be married, men not preparing to work or to build estates, and uh, the women aren't prepared to help men. It's just filled with selfishness and self-absorption, and that will build nothing. And it will lead to depression because you're not fulfilling your purpose that we actually start our book out with, that first purpose, the cultural mandate. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion in Christ and do it. That's where the joy is, working, building, enjoying spouses and having children. And I know there are vocations where um, people become eunuchs for the kingdom of God, or they don't marry, but they don't continue in immaturity. They continue to make a contribution, whether through continual prayer or building in some way, shape, or form. So find joy in all of these things, and then rejoice in your work. Find work to do, whatever it is, whatever you're suited to, whatever your temperament's suited to, whatever your gifts are, or if you don't know what those things are, wherever the need is. Build, help, Make your contribution, and at the end of the day, or on a Friday or Saturday, if you work six days a week and rest the seventh, and we we rest on that uh, first day of the week on Sunday, and we go and worship God, but when you work, find good in it. Say to yourself, it was good. Even if everybody else critiques you, and there will always be the critics, find good and joy in it, and at the end of the day, acknowledge before God that your work is is good. And remember that as you gain this wisdom, you're going to encounter sorrow because with wisdom comes much sorrow. All of these points are in Ecclesiastes and they're all in our book. And I encourage you to get it so you'll just have it there for you. And it's great for teaching or book studies or whatever you want to do with it. But with much wisdom, you're going to find out that things aren't as they should be. Also, um, that you might have to wait and pray and wait over time for things to become more sanctified, uh, filled with virtue, okay? And so with that, um, it's important that you understand that you're going to be perhaps frustrated that things aren't as they should be. And then you're going to learn from Solomon in Ecclesiastes that if God bends something, no matter what you do, you're not going to straighten it. Or if he straightens something, you're not going to bend it. St. Paul asked three times that a thorn in the flesh be taken from him. Many hold to that being that the uh, Jews, the apostate Jews, were coming behind and nearly destroying every work that he would start. You know, inciting the prominent women of the city or the baser men to fight against the brethren and to break up the church. And so Paul pleads with the Lord three times. And what does the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, Paul, keep doing, stay on mission, stay on course. My grace is sufficient for you. Godliness and contentment's great gain. It's when everybody pressures you to live on the north side of the city and uh, 
All you can do is try to build for the future and you want to have a lot of kids and you can only afford to live on the east side but make it nice for your kids, then live on the east side. Learn to be content. Teach your children to be content and let everybody else go into horrendous amounts of debt in order to appease their peers. But godliness and contentment will be great gain for you and your children and your children's children and also prepare an inheritance for your children's children. And companionship is a gift in this life, whether it's a friend or a spouse. So remember that. Bring that friend. I like the quote that good friends and chocolate are the best things in life. Be humble to the voice of wisdom. She cries out daily. And remember, when you see nations that are oppressive and that are fighting good, or groups of people that are, you know, it could be a, a guild or some type of group of people that are fighting um, the righteous things of God in the world. Don't be unnerved over it. God sees that. And they will not last forever. And there will be an end to all of those who would fight against the Christ and his Christianizing the world. So don't worry about that. We do what we can. We vote uh, and we do what we can to write letters perhaps, but on, on national levels and organizational levels. But remember, the Lord sees those who are trying to thwart what is righteous. Remember, everyone must stand before that judgment, that final judgment of Christ in the end. Try to build a good reputation. Always seek to do good. Never compromise or cheat. And don't long for the past, the good old days. Well, if we were living in the 50s, this would be a lot easier. No, there was just as much sin back then. It's just all in the closet. And it was all in people's minds. Uh, But there was nothing worse than hypocrisy and an appearance of godliness without the real heartfelt power. So no... The days gone by are the days gone by. And these days, which you may think are the worst days, you know, a hundred years from now, people will be longing for these old days. Don't do that. Solomon says it's not wise. And do what God says. Don't try to add to it by scruples. Uh, You know, just do what God says. Don't be overly righteous. Don't be overly wicked. Just obey God and keep his commandments. And uh, don't fret, especially over the words of others. If others complain against you, remember that you've also complained against others. So those words won't hurt you. And then work diligently knowing that perhaps everything you're doing will prosper or some of it may prosper. But you don't know what the end of all of your works will be. But keep working diligently. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might, soul, and strength. And if you're a young man or a young woman... Find joy in life and put off vexation. Drive by the graveyard. When you see those graves, know that six feet under are the bodies of people that had worries and passions and they thought the world perhaps was going to end. They didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know if they'd have enough money ever. They were vexed all the time, living lives of quiet desperation. Put it off. Find joy in the day. That's why we go worship the Lord on the Lord's day. Yeah, get to know our Lord, learn his word, and obey it. And then arise, work diligently and wisely every day, and then build with confidence. And as Solomon says, he says to fear God, keep his commandments. It is the whole duty of man. So that's, those are just some of the things that you can find in the wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes. We put them in the book because I thought they were 
very important points that people could sink their teeth into. So I hope that will make a contribution to your life, to your family, to your children, grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren, if we do the Word of God. And I hope this is also an antidote for all of this end times madness, which you see every time that the world convulses or that people are having trouble economically or socioeconomic issues. Um, And over time, you're going to see there is nothing new under the sun and that Christ reigns And he sits at the right hand of God until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. So, producer says we just have about a minute left. So, there's a prayer we pray at the end uh, of the book. And I'd like to pray that with you if you'd like to pray with me. I would welcome you to do so. No time and space between our God. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, May thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your grace fill our lives, our families, our churches, our cities, states, and nations with your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. May mankind honor Christ the King, learn of his ways, and obey his commands fervently from the heart. May love and truth abound in every place, especially within the hearts of all of mankind from the largest cities to the most remote tribes. May we see the good and prosperity of the church in our days, and may you endow her ministers and her people to bear forth true witness of the kingdom of God that all men might believe and be saved. May the word of the Lord roar forth from Zion, and may the Spirit of the Lord work in the hearts of the people of the world to come to the mountain of the Lord's house to hear his words and to obey them. May we see peace among nations and the ceasing of warfare. May your kingdom come in our families and in the lives of all of our children that will come from our covenant families. May no one be lost from our family lines now through the end of time. May there always be members of our family declaring with a full heart of assurance that Christ Jesus reigns and his kingdom rules over all. We thank you, Lord, and we believe we receive this answer, for it is your will to save your church and your people forever. In the name of the reigning King, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I will close this series of the first season with these words that were etched in an obelisk that is in the middle of Vatican Square, which is where the Christians, your former brothers and sisters, were thrown to the lions based on their testimony of Christ. This, this was the word, these were the words that established them in the faith, even unto death. Christus Vincent, Regnant, Imperiat, Abomni, Maloplenum, Suum Defendit, which means Christ is conquering, Christ is reigning, Christ's kingdom rules over all. May he defend his people from all evil. I close the series with this. Arise, make straight paths for your feet. Stand straight and boldly in Christ. Be of good cheer, fear not, and continue building. You've been listening to The Last Days Are Behind Us, Our Best Days Are Ahead. You can write us at jerry at justjerry.com. You can pick up Jerry's book, The Last Days Are Behind Us, Our Best Days Are Ahead, at bookstores everywhere. Access our videos, podcasts, blogs, as well as free papers and materials at justjerry.com. Join us next time as we drive the conversation to the truth 
that Jesus Christ is King and His kingdom rules over all and is expanding over the earth in these days. Fear God, keep His commandments, and abound in love.